0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special bonus edition of the ESPN Footy Podcast. Uh, My name is Matt Walsh. I'm joined by Jake Michaels and Rowan Connolly. Uh, Gents, plenty to talk about because Nathan Buckley and Collingwood have cut ties uh, and uh, Buckley will not be the coach of Collingwood anymore after the Queen's birthday match uh, on Monday. And Robert Harvey is set to take over as the interim. A fair bit to digest. Rowan, welcome. Uh, What are your immediate thoughts uh, about this announcement? I mean, we had you write something on this a month ago and it hasn't quite gone the same way as what you thought it would. Um, So what are your initial thoughts on on this decision?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm I'm mildly surprised by the timing. Uh, I I thought there was very little chance of him being reappointed, so I was confident they'd have a new coach. I mean, that column you talk about, all I thought was that it would be a more orderly process were he to be told that, and then he coached out the season so they could caught a new coach without that sort of whirlwind of speculation. Um, but by the same token, you know, that, that is a big sacrifice on his part, isn't it? We saw Tony Shaw do it with Collingwood 20-odd years ago. But, um, you know, Bucks is a, a successful person who has no doubt any other number of possibilities elsewhere he could pursue, none the least the media, in which he was fantastic when he last did that, I thought. So, you know, I guess when I wrote that, I'm not trying to sort of weasel out of it, but it was predicated on him being agreeable to it. And I absolutely understand why that wouldn't suit him. And there's certainly an argument that now they've made the decision, um, you know, they can start planning properly without having to creep around in the shadows. And that speculation about who will take over Mm -hmm. is always going to exist regardless of the timing. So the decision itself doesn't surprise me. The timing. Mildly surprising, but I certainly understand it.
0: Jake, it's been a busy morning in the ESPN offices. Uh, Your immediate
2: take on on the situation and, and how it unfolded in that Zoom presser? Oh, it was uh, it's been a it's been a crazy morning. It's a shame it didn't happen 24 hours earlier. We could have we could have all done it in one podcast. <laughs> um, I agree with Rowan. Strange timing. I mean they, they just came off a win. like they came <laughs> off a win. They're going into the Queen's birthday game, um, obviously with the what the state of play with um, the current situation with coronavirus and everything. Yeah, it is a bit it does feel a little bit weird. I thought if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened three or four weeks ago, kind of around the time that, that Rowan's piece did come out. Um but look it has happened. Look, I think Nathan Buckley is almost a bit of a scapegoat to be honest. I don't think he's to blame at all for for the horror 18 months the club's had. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that they want to show that that they're wiping the slate clean and starting fresh and whether it's you know Eddie Maguire leaving, Nathan Buckley leaving, I think they're basically showing to their to their supporters and their members that we're starting we're starting again, we're starting fresh. But I don't think Nathan Buckley's to blame for everything that's happened particularly you know so much was made about the loss of um guys like Stevenson and Trelaw uh, and Phillips mm. last last season i don't necessarily think you can blame him for that and the poor performances uh in 2021 no particularly
0: about that time
2: of 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 his tenure
0: why not go chips all in and, and maybe stretch the um stretch the the amount of money you're paying these players if you going to line up in a grand final. And really they were this close to to being the flag winners that year against West coast. If it wasn't for Dom Sheed pulling a rabbit out of the hat, um, they might well have had that premiership and I don't think anyone's complaining and, and Buckley finally gets that elusive flag as mm. not a player, but as a coach. Um, I think you're right, Jake. I think the biggest thing is this is Collingwood saying we are going to be starting afresh. Um, you've now got Maguire's out. Uh, the board's up for a refresh. The coaches now now, um, well, we don't know the intricate details of it, but now the coach is on the way out as well. I thought it was quite a mature presser from Collingwood, which is not what we've seen in recent months and years from that team, especially, um, you know, you can look back at, some off, other off-field stuff, the Heredia Lumumba Stuff as well, so it kind of Signifies to me that yes, Collingwood have Embraced the new direction, and and Yeah, the timing is a bit strange, uh, but I, I kind of like what they're doing in terms of Actually just saying the slate is clean As you said,
1: Jake Yeah, it, Sorry, Jake, it, it was an impressive uh, Performance from All three of them, I thought, Graham Wright Particularly, you know uh, who It's funny, when he was a player, he hardly Said boo, but he's a very <laughs> articulate and, and good spokesman for the club. But I, I think, you know, the, the big butt here is that you've still got this board ruction happening and the possibility of a completely or well, half a new board and a new president. And that really complicates it. It was always going to complicate mm-hmm. Buckley's tenure and whether it was extended or not. But even now that they know, okay, we're going to have a new coach, who's choosing the new coach? I mean, it seemed, I would think, that the incumbent board has sort of solidified its place because of first, the statement I made last week, but now that we have a definite decision on Buckley, what's the presiding board that has to go out and choose a replacement. So, but if I was a Collingwood fan, I'd be saying, well, what happens now if we, this, this incumbent board chooses a new coach, Jeff Brown somehow engineers a coon and he's not happy with that coach, you know? So Mm -hmm. It's not just the coach, really. There's still this other issue hovering in the background that's going to make it really difficult.
0: It makes you think whether the decision, I know that some clubs have made decisions on on interim coaches and then, you know, selected uh, either that interim coach to stay on and become the permanent coach as the season's still rolling. You get the feeling maybe, Jake, that Collingwood will wait until it's not as late as possible, but will probably wait until the end of the season or until something
2: happens with the board to make a decision like this? Well, they should be waiting. There's no need. Why rush? Okay. They're out of finals contention for this year. There's so much other stuff to sort out, get the person, get the right person to Collingwood's credit. They've not been a team in recent, recent years, the last two decades to, to filter through a lot of coaches. I think they've had two coaches in two decades. So find the right person and you've got time now you've got time to do it. Robert Harvey will step in, in the interim, um, and you know, he he's gonna be a name that, that will be thrown up, particularly if they win games in the in the run home. But I just want to go back to the presser because there were two things that stood out to me. One was the fact that everyone's saying Nathan Buckley stood down. Technically, that might be the case. He didn't he didn't want to leave. Let's be honest here. Nathan Buckley did not want to leave that football club. You can tell. He remained coy when he was asked, he was asked a couple of times during the, the announcement in the press conference whether he got the tap, and he was very he, he didn't give a clear answer. He definitely was told this is, this is you've, you've reached the end of the road. The other thing is there's no doubt in my mind we will see Nathan Buckley coaching again in the next couple of years. I don't think we're going to see him out of the game for a long period of time. I think he's hungry to coach. I think he's proven that he is a good coach. He's young. He's young. Um, he's a respected name, and I think he gets another opportunity. I, I, I honestly think he'll be coaching uh, another team in the next two to three years.
1: Yeah, mm. no, I, I, I agree with that. And you've also now got, I mean, it's been a bit of a taboo, hasn't it, that if a coach gets dumped or whatever, he's sort of not revisited. But Brett Ratten at St Kilda broke that mould, had mm. success at least last year. <laughs> uh, that taboo has been lifted. And Buckley is a different proposition anyway. I think even people who question his coaching credentials, you know, have a qualifier on that because – Look, his biggest, and we should talk about his legacy as a coach, it's a, his, his main battle, I feel, has been with himself. He has been, because he's so brilliant at playing, his knowledge of the game is so good. And sometimes those guys have issues being able to comprehend or, or sort of put themselves in the mindset of players who aren't as gifted or aren't as intelligent. And Bucks has talked about that himself. His greatest success as a coach 2018 came after he nearly lost the job previously and he was able to within himself relinquish a bit of that control and delegate a bit more effectively and become a bit more positive rather than perhaps a bit critical about, you know, it's sort of that Richmond thing about, not focusing on what people people's deficiencies are, but but embracing what they do do well and putting that all together as part of a constructive, positive program. That's no doubt I th- I felt made him a better coach. The irony is that it got them so close that I almost felt like he started to seize back a bit of that caution and control. Mm. And you know that's a matter for debate, and it's harder to tell if you're not on the inside. But I think if he can keep that in check, the point I'm making is even his critics as a coach would recognise that when he is able to harness those things, he is technically a terrific student of the game and therefore should be a very good coach. Uh, we, we,
0: you, I think you're spot on because I think there was a sense, and it was pretty, pretty obvious now kind of looking back at those first few years at the Pies where he was trying to find his feet. Um, and, and he was trying to, he was, as you say, battling with himself and then when it sort of did come together, um, it, it kind of all came together after that that review that Collingwood had, um, when when they sort of stepped back and at, from the outside and, and then looked in, and they had this great success. They jumped from thirteenth up to second, and, and um, as we've noted, you know, came close to winning the flag in twenty eighteen, um, and then sort of dropped down a little fourth in twenty nineteen, then twenty twenty they were sixth and. And now you sort of see them down at, 20, at, at 16th and you kind of just wonder where the next growth is going to come from. And that's where I think he has room to grow still as a coach. Um, and Jake, we mentioned it, he's young, he's hungry. And um, sure it's been, it's, he's had ups and downs and, and he took over um, from Malthouse at a time when Collingwood was flying. I think his first season they finished fourth or in the top four. Um, and, and then they kind of went down and through there and then had that rise up again. And then have been sort of gradually going back down and, um, to me, it just says that he's got room to grow as a coach because we know he's a great tactical mind. Um, you hear him in the media all the time, whether it's on radio or on AFL 360 or wherever he might be. Um, he can he can articulate and verbalise football really well. So I have no doubt that his footy brain is it's nowhere near at the completion of its journey. Um, if that makes sense uh, in terms of being a coach and mm. and yeah, it's you talk about his legacy, Rowan. I think it's still many chapters to be written.
2: Yeah, many chapters to be written. But if for some reason he decided, no, I will never coach again, which, as I said before, I don't think's going to be the case at all, where does he sit? Because I think we put too much pressure on uh, or too, too much significance on winning premierships. And as you say, Dom Sheed threaded that goal on the boundary. He doesn't kick that. Collingwood win that flag. Buckley finally has a, a premiership. Uh, at some point, you've got to say, well, Nathan Buckley is not to blame for Dom Sheed kicking that goal. You know, he got Collingwood to a grand final. He got Collingwood to a position in the last two minutes to win that game. They didn't win it. I don't necessarily think you can say, well, he failed at at that.
1: No, and the record says that as well. I mean, 217 games, 116 wins, two draws, 90... This is his coaching record, right? Yeah, 99 losses. It's 53.9% his strike rate, which is... It's it's got anything better than 50% is, is okay, but it's it's pretty decent. Um, and over that long a period, finals is the interesting one. So nine and a half seasons, uh, 12 finals, won five, lost seven. The thing that struck me is, though, they had some great, they had three particularly good against the odds finals. Wins. Mm, in Our the West. Not, the most notable of them is, I think, the 2018 preliminary final win over Richmond. They were a massive underdog that night, and they absolutely knocked the Tigers off. It's I think radical. to
2: this day it's one of the most unexpected games yep. I've ever been at.
1: Yep, and not far behind. I think last year's elimination final went over West Coast in Perth, mm. and you've also got 2019 qualifying final against Geelong, where they were also a, a pretty big underdog because the Cats had been flying and they knocked them off as well. So I reckon if you can engineer... Uh, a win like that in a final, you know, that pretty big ticks for that. So, you know, his finals record, it's it's in the negative, but they did have some big finals wins. And as you guys have both said, and we're, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? The the fine line between how, how you perceived successfully or negatively, Dom Sheed doesn't kick that goal. They win the flag. That is one of the all-time great premiership wins, given where they'd come from the previous year. Mm the talent they had, which was okay, it wasn't phenomenal. You know, he would, comp- the, the way we see Buckley as a coach would have been completely changed by one more goal or mm. one fewer goals kicked by West Coast. And was, Ross Lyon can relate to that. You know, he lost; he could be a two-time premiership coach, but for a toe poke and an errant bounce of the football, it's that final line.
0: He could have made a movie about Buckley's career, not only as a player, but as a coach up until that point, if they'd won that 2018 flag, you know, you looked at the review that they had and he was this close to being out the door then as well. And you come back and imagine if he won the flag that season, he would be, well, not that he's already not, but one of
2: Collingwood's all time greats. I just thought it was interesting that he kind of, um, he kind of mentioned and hinted towards that saying that his coaching career mirrored his playing career in Mm. the sense that he has no regrets um, did all he gave everything he could, but ultimately fell short of the the, the major main prize. And mm. again, I, I'm, I've been a big believer in this that, you know, it goes back to the LeBron James, Michael Jordan debate. It's just like, it's a team sport. You can't yeah. put team achievements on it. It's, if he was
0: a tennis player, you'd, you'd say he's a grand slam winning caliber player and coach.
1: I tell you what you can say that fate hasn't been overly kind to him <laughs> no. as a player or coach. I mean, You're talking about a player, you know, he was at Brisbane, left to go to Collingwood for success. So Brisbane becomes successful. Collingwood goes into decline. He should have, by rights, uh, been a North Melbourne player. North Melbourne, every time they played, Collingwood would be rubbing it in about their premierships. Misses out in the 2002 flag by a kick and a half and Ackerman a snap, you know. Wins the Norm Smith Medal in a losing grand final side, Uh, you know, goes away, has to sit on the sidelines as Collingwood finally wins that flag. Um, Comes in as coach, and then their performances start to go south. You know, it's is uh, he
2: the unluckiest man in football (laughs) history?
1: (laughs) Well, no, I reckon. uh, I reckon in coaching terms, Ross Lyons pretty hard to yeah. top, you know. Yeah. Like a,
2: but from a playing and coaching perspective, you know, he's got how many games? 500-ish games between his yeah. co- playing and coaching and to, and to be such a, a, a great, highly rated player for, and coach. Yeah. And yeah. So, so many come so close.
1: Yeah. I, look, up yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what the perverse thing is? And it's one of those things you say about someone else and you, and you can, but if you're the person, you sort of get stuff that's sort of like, <laughs> I mean, he, you know, his part of his success has been his arrogance almost in his belief, self-belief. And that made him, even when he was captain at Collingwood, he had to grow into that because again, he had trouble comprehending players who weren't as talented or dedicated. But he grew into that. And all these sort of setbacks along the way, they have to make a person more humble and more rounded and more philosophical about life and i think that has uh, that has with him Hmm. and i think you know people always say to me well gee he's so popular with the media well he's engaging and he's articulate and i think yes he has a strong self-belief but there really is a humility and and a a a bit of sort of almost self-deprecation you know like he's a He's a guy who, you know, he's had some interesting life experiences growing up in the Northern Territory, very close with Indigenous communities, things like that. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. your classic sort of blinkered footy upbringing. And I think all these hardships he's gone through have developed him further as a person. But again, you can't help wondering would he trade in being less of a good bloke to be more of a successful football bloke?
0: Mm, it is interesting. Um, he
2: played that Brown, Brownlow in for a premiership medallion?
0: Well, I was going to say, if, if he does want to dabble in the media for a little bit, maybe we should get on the blower, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess well,
2: what's next for Collingwood? Yeah, where, where to now?
0: So Robert Harvey will be the interim coach for the, the rest of the season, but uh, after that, who knows? I mean, there are a number of candidates, Rowan, that we were going through before we hit record on this podcast. Ross Lyon, uh, potentially Alistair Clarkson, if he can be pried away from Hawthorne, Sam Mitchell, Justin Lepich, uh, Michael Voss. There's, there's names out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are. There are, and it's going to be fascinating to see what they go for. Collingwood being Collingwood, you'd expect – I think there'll be a bit of an expectation they'll definitely – Target Ross Lyon, and you know who I reckon Ross Lyon would be very, very interested. Mm. Just on Robert Harvey, I mean, one of the things I threw up in that earlier column is that the difficulty that can arise if the replacement starts to do well and pressure builds on the on the club to appoint him permanently. We saw it with Ray Shaw, mm. but I think there's going to be less of that with Robert Harvey. And I really don't mean this as any insult to Robert Harvey, but I don't think he is seen as a potential collingwood senior coach and I think the pies probably why is that. Why why do you think that is? I think well look you you hear things from people I, rob is a you know he's one of the nicest people in the world but he's a very quiet bloke. Mm. Um, he isn't necessarily a great communicator. I, I you know, Collingwood, being Collingwood, I think there'll be elements in the club who look at someone like that and think, "Do we need a bigger personality to be coaching the club?" And you know, the last two, Malthouse and Buckley, have been mm-hmm. pretty big and or massive. Collingwood wants
2: want someone that's had um, a head coach experience, head coach experience in the
1: past. Not necessarily, but I think they want a big name, and that's mm-hmm. why. Sam Mitchell was one that really interests me because there's something about that pedigree. Look, no doubt he is a brilliant football mind. You've only got to talk to him for five minutes to realise that. Um, He has, you know, really strong aspirations to coach. Clearly Hawthorne are grooming him for that. The thing I keep, it's the romantic in me, I suppose, I think about another great Collingwood coach, Lee Matthews, was a Hawthorne great went to Collingwood as Bob Rose's assistant in 1986. Bob Rose retires as coach four weeks into the season. Matthews <laughs> gets thrown into the job and delivers them the flag they hadn't by that time won for 32 years. Mitchell doesn't have the experience, so yes, that would be a gamble, but mm. he does now have assistant experience, at least you know a couple of years' worth. And it's such a good football brain. I think that would be a bit of a coup. But I, I think,
2: but of the we, five, I think that is the, a big chink in, in, in the armour. The five names that you threw up before, he's the considerably the, got the least amount of experience.
1: Yeah, and that's absolutely something they should consider. What I was going to say was, um, you know, Lepic has coached is a you know a large enough name. Line goes without saying. The other guys who I think would be particularly good gets are people like, you know, Blake Carosella, mm. Daniel G in Syracuse, uh, Adam Kingsley, very highly respected. The mm. question you always ask yourself with Collingwood is, are they big enough yep. for Collingwood? Because there's always this, it does carry a special set of yep. pressures just through virtue of being Collingwood.
0: Yeah, no, it certainly does. Um, there's obviously lots to consider. But, um, Gents, we talked about Collingwood's next move. What about Buckley himself, Jake? Can you see him dabbling in the media for these these next few weeks if he after he steps down before going back to coaching media full time? Oh, I, I think
2: he'll take a bit of a bit of a breather. Um mm-hmm. again, going back to where we are in Victoria at the moment, I think he he probably gets through look, he'll get through the game on, on Monday. And let, and I tell you what, there's I reckon there are I know they're playing Melbourne. If they're playing anybody else, I'd be really keen to get, to get on the pies here because I, they, they get up for these kind of games players, but it's really hard to see them beating Melbourne who have been fantastic this year. I think he, I think he gets through the game. I think he comes back home. I think he um, mm-hmm. spends some time with his family. I, I truly believe, I, I believe him when he says he's, he's excited to spend a bit more time with his family, uh, with his kit, with his boys. And, then perhaps next year he does dabble in the media. But I still think in the next two to three years, I would be surprised that if we're sitting here in 2024, I'd be surprised if Nathan Buckley isn't a current coach of an AFL side.
1: I hope I hope for his sake, his breather is longer than Eddie McGuire's was. Yeah. <laughs> that um, man breathes. was, it was a short <laughs> breath, wasn't it? It was a very short <laughs> breath. And uh, plenty of people wish it had been a bit longer. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, from a selfish perspective, I really hope Bucks goes back into the media because Agreed. that year, uh, what was it? 2008, 2010? Oh, early um, that two, Yep. Yeah. He went back to Collingwood as an assistant in 09, but uh, 08, he was comment, uh, did comments for Channel 7. He wrote for The Age. So, you know, I, I worked reasonably closely with him. His stuff was superb, um, particularly his TV stuff. You know, it's, we all complain about special comments guys who either don't say anything or say too much or no comment <laughs> or, or try to try to make stuff so complex to impress their mates rather than express it in layman's terms. Mm. I thought Bucks just had a natural flair for it and his written stuff was fantastic too. So
0: can can you let us know? Was he ghostwritten?
1: No, no, he wasn't. Really? And and no, he wasn't. And that was, you know, what, thirteen years ago. Um, well when, like, as you
2: said he is like you know sam he's a student of the game
1: he loves is, the game yeah yeah and which is absolutely crucial to well was crucial to people who pursued a football media career like, <laughs> back in the day when people are in the football media actually did watch and talk about football games and can I just say you two are definitely in that category. So you get the big tip from me. <laughs> the Bucks would be a fantastic part of the football media. But I agree mm. with you, Jake. I think, you know, his record is good enough and I think his qualities are obvious enough for him to be a, a much sought after coaching commodity still. Mm.
2: Had he had he not got that opportunity to continue when there was when the pressure was coming, um, prior to that run to the, to 28, 2016, 2017, when that pressure was coming, had he actually been given the flick then or stepped down, then I think it's a, a, I think it's a no. I don't know if he ever does coach again, Mm. but he proved in the four years after that, that he is, is good enough and he can take a a good side all the way. And I'm saying all the way, because as we've said four times already, (laughs) it was a Dom sheet kick that, that cost them the premiership medallion. So I think he's good enough, and I think he does get an opportunity. And he, like, Ten seasons as a coach, where it's not often that that a that a coach's first gig lasts lasts a decade, mm. um, and I think he's got plenty more plenty more to offer.
1: You know, it's funny though, like we're talking about possible replacements, and Michael Boss has to be one of them. Mm. And we keep hearing about how much he's grown as a coach in his assistant work at Port Adelaide since he coached Brisbane, but he still hasn't been appointed by anyone, has he? So. When I talk about the taboo having been broken, you know, clubs are very cautious about these things and they do tend to follow fashion. And until we get a few of those type of appointments, then maybe the floodgates will open. But the fact that, yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I think, you know, I agree with you entirely. Had he gone in 2017 and what happened in 2018 hadn't, every chance he may have been left on the shelf. But yeah, I'm pretty certain now he won't be. Hmm. Mm,
0: for sure. I think a fascinating few weeks and months to develop at Collingwood and, and with Buckley. And as you both have said, I think um, if he goes into the media, it'll be a big loss to the coaching fraternity. And if he goes coaching, it'll be a big loss for the media fraternity.
2: i got one more question for you guys. Do Collingwood win more games in their run home than they have uh, up until now? They've got
1: three wins. Do they get, do they get at least
2: three or more uh, under Rob Harvey?
1: There's 10 games left, right? Um, I haven't looked at their draw uh, uh, I'd have to have a
0: look a bit closer. Uh, they might get I'll three.
1: Say, yeah, I'll say yes because yeah, I, I reckon think, they do. too I think they turned a big corner against Adelaide. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, mm. I think they win probably four four games on four games in the run home.
1: Oh geez, but not be, <laughs> uh, there'll be a few Collingwood administrators if Robert Harvey sort of gets gets some <laughs> tick twins on the trot. Uh, <laughs> and the people are rallying outside the, the whole centre going, we want Harvey. We, we
2: want The Harvey train. It the happened, train. It, it happens.
1: Look. That's what they all want, the man who's doing well. And in fairness, in fairness, I mean, we talked about Ray Shaw, but forget. remember Sydney were going to appoint Terry Wallace. Paul Ruse took over from Rodney Eade. Yeah, Got such a crest of public support but the Swans were forced to appoint him. That actually had worked out pretty well. Mm. Mm.
0: Fascinating situations. Guys, uh, thanks for joining me and uh, our listeners on this uh, impromptu ESPN footy podcast. Uh, and guys,
2: we will speak to you Tuesday next week.
1: Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN footy pod wherever you get your podcasts.